You're now going to get to our message this morning. So go ahead and get your Bibles out, get your notebooks ready, and get ready to hear a word from God this morning. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Restoration Church. If I haven't been able to meet you guys yet, uh, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm excited to finally say, and I can say it every week leading up to it, Merry Christmas. We're in the Christmas season. We had Thanksgiving, which to me is the kickoff of Christmas. It's the start. Friday, our house, the, the pumpkins get torn down, get thrown into the closet aggressively, and then we put up all of our Christmas decorations because we're excited about it. How many people, just to get a show of hands, how many people hosted Thanksgiving this year? How many people hosted? All right. How many people traveled somewhere for Thanksgiving? All right, how many people forgot it was Thanksgiving and didn't cook any food? Perfect, one. Good. We ended up hosting, which was really fun, really uh, a little hectic. We had 20 people in our house, um, which was a lot. We pulled, we had two tables joined together to fit everyone. It was a little bit of a stressful time. One of the things that ended up happening you know, we, we, luckily, it was a pretty healthy family gathering. There was, no, there was no drama to be had except for one thing, all right? My brother-in-law, Joel, filled up his plate with Thanksgiving food with no mashed potatoes to be found on his plate. And yeah, exactly what I did. And uh, I, was, I was just like, why, why, don't, why aren't you putting potatoes on your plate? That's the glue that holds everything together, it's needed, and he said, no, mashed potatoes, waste of stomach space on Thanksgiving, I need to put max amount of food in my stomach, and the mashed potatoes, they, they, they take up room, so that was a big topic for debate, I was like, no, that's a good side, you need that side, and, and he didn't think so, so I thought, just to see, I wanted to, to pull you guys, um, I'm going to put up some pictures of Thanksgiving side dishes. I want you, with enthusiasm and much vigor, tell me if it's a good side or a bad side. Just say good or bad. Here's the first one. Rolls. Good. Next. Thank you. Stuffing. This, yeah, yeah. No? Okay. Hang on, hang on. That's the good. What? I said what I said, I'm not taking it back. You go, Robert. So as, as we can tell, there's a lot of debate for Thanksgiving of what good sides and what bad sides are, you know, and which transitions well into what I wanted to talk about as a, as a church today. Today is a fun Sunday, we end up uh, it's every uh, location pastor is, is preaching at their location, um, and it's kind of, it's a message just for us. So this message is for us, Dover, for you online, and Plymouth is getting a message from, from their pastor, Milton's getting a message from their pastor, which is awesome. So we get this chance to kind of pour into, pour into you guys. We, we have conversations with you guys, we connect with you guys, so I wanted to talk through different things, but there's a lot of debate between a good side and, and a bad side. And, and honestly, the debate gets even deeper as you keep looking at it. There's, there's even a debate nowadays going around Thanksgiving as a whole, whether or not we should celebrate it, whether or not it should be a thing. There's some people who, who they, they mark it off their calendar. Um, they don't think it's something good to celebrate because ultimately they, they thought... Uh, what sounded like a great thing for the pilgrims to be coming and, and offering 
peace and offering fruitfulness. It ended up not really turning out that way, or, or it, really it did, but maybe not for everyone who was involved for the dinner. So there's, there's really a big debate even on that. And, and you think through in, in, this, in this day and age, you know, Jesus gave us a, a commandment to, to go and to preach the good news. And there's a lot of debate nowadays, what even is good, what even is bad? What, what's the difference between the two? We can't even decide between mashed potatoes or not, which is good, no matter what you think. How are we gonna decide on these big things? Like, what is good news? And, and I think it goes even deeper than that. I think there are some Christians that, that wouldn't even be able to tell you exactly what good news is, exactly what it is that, that good news is. So I wanted to ask that question, what does good news look like? And in, in Mark 16, verse 15, I have the amplified version, uh, Jesus gives this command to his disciples. He said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel, to every creature. Now, Jesus waited to give this commandment to his disciples until after he had died on the cross and risen again. Then he, he went to his disciples and, and he talked through this commandment. And, and I think there's some really good, good reason for that, why he ended up waiting a little bit to talk through it, is even the people, uh, even the Jews of, of Jesus' time, they were even confused what the Messiah was supposed to be. The promise that, that the Messiah was supposed to bring to them was a lot different than the promise that, that Jesus brought. You know, and it could seem really similarly to how people talk about um, the pilgrims coming. The promise that they had was a lot different than the promise that ended up happening for them. Now, many uh, people could look at this and, and think, you know, maybe Maybe the promise that, that God gave of, of the good news, maybe that was an empty promise as well. And I wanted us to look into it and learn that, that God's promises are, are never empty promises. God's promises are, are, are almost always a little deeper um, than we would ever imagine them to be. So the way that they had it viewed for the Messiah to come and to rescue them. The way that the, that the Jews believed it was gonna happen with, with all their heart is Jesus was gonna come and be this, this victorious um, king that could, that, that's gonna come with an army and, and take over Rome and just slaughter the enemy and, and work through it. And, and he would be this king that, that really brings about a war that would, he would ultimately win in and, and set these Jews free. So they, were, they thought he'd overthrow the government they thought he'd lead an army and destroy all the enemies of the Jew and they, Jews, and, and they thought uh, he would set them free from the rule of Rome, which you can't really blame them if you, if you read through some of the Old Testament. The Old Testament, that's what they had to study. They studied scrolls of, of things that were written. You read through some of these things, and it does, it does sound a lot like that's going to be how it looks when, when Jesus arrives. He's gonna come and, and he's gonna do all these horrible things to the enemy. And we look at the scripture that they had studied, um, that they had been studying about the Messiah and, and you can kind of see what they get from it. So let's look at this scripture. It's in Isaiah um, 
63. This is verses one through six. Who is this who comes from Edom, from the city of, of Bozrah, with his clothing stained red? Who is this in royal robes marching in great strength? It is I, the Lord, announced your salvation. It is I, the Lord, who has the power to save. Why are your clothes so red, as if you've been treading out grapes? I have been treading the wine press, uh, sorry, I've been treading the wine press alone. No one was there to help me. In my anger, I have trampled my enemies as if they were grapes. In my fury, I have trampled my foes. Their blood has stained my clothes. For the time has come for me to avenge my people, to ransom them from their oppressors. I was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So I myself stepped in to save them with my strong arm. My wrath sustained me. I crushed the nations in my anger and made them stagger and fall to the ground, spilling their blood upon the earth. So that's what they're studying to learn about the Messiah. So you can imagine now Jesus shows up He's doing all these miracles. He's saying he is the Messiah. These these people are getting ready. These people are getting ready because they're like, here comes the promise. We're overthrowing Rome. We're gonna do this. It's gonna be amazing. And now Jesus shows up and starts telling everyone that he's gonna die. To, To do what the Messiah called He's going to die. And, and the disciples did not grasp that. It went all the way down to one of the disciples being like, what? No, that, you're wrong, Jesus. You don't die. You're supposed to lead an army. You're supposed to, to come and, and overthrow Rome and, and work through all these different things. And, and you know, what, what would you do in that situation? You've, you've had this oppression in your life. You've had um, these people that have taxed you to death, that, that have done all these things. These are your enemy. And you've been studying for years, for generations, that someone's going to come and destroy your enemy. This, it, now, Jesus would not look like the victorious king you've been studying this entire time. Jesus would not look like the good news that you've been praying for. But as they soon learned, and as as we're gonna learn today, it was not an empty promise. It was a much deeper promise than that. What the Jews were looking at was their current life and and where they were, and they were reading the scripture uh, in order to... uh, in order, they were letting that scripture view, uh, shape their view of where they were. They were letting their, their lot, sorry, I'm saying it backwards. They were letting where their circumstance was shape how they were reading the scriptures, right? So they were reading that, they were reading through this, and they were thinking about their enemies and saying, oh, I understand this scripture, this is talking about me, which, which is something we do, right? Which is something we love to do. We love to read through even the New Testament and we look at our circumstance and that kind of features uh, as a lens of how we read scripture. I wanna read the Bible because I wanna learn something for me today. You know, we, script, we flip through that and that, that's how we search for the good news. The Jews wanted freedom from Rome. God had a deeper promise. They, they just wanted freedom from Rome and they wanted their land back. God wanted his children, which is, which is all of us, back by his side forever. The Jews wanted immediate relief from their immediate captors, but God wanted eternal relief for his eternal creation. 
And because of what they wanted, they helped that shape what they thought Jesus was gonna do. They wanted that to, to be what he did. They wanted this relief. But even God explained in Isaiah, when he's going through all these different things, he talks through, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thought. We tell you this, and something they discovered after he died and defeated death, Jesus was exactly what the Old Testament promised to them. He was exactly what, he, what, they, what was promised. He was king, he was judge, he, he is ruler, he's the savior. And he did come to conquer the enemy. You look through that, that scripture of him going through being, being covered in blood, he comes down and they're like, why do you look like you're covered in blood? And what does he say? He's like, I've just defeated the enemy and I've covered the ground in blood. The only problem was the enemy wasn't Rome. The enemy wasn't Rome and the blood wasn't theirs either. When Jesus defeated the enemy, when he talked about the enemy, what he was talking about was an infinite enemy that was going to be there whether they had, had been in Rome or not. God, he, he didn't just make a promise for something as finite as the Roman government. What he wanted was a plan because when, when we follow Jesus, when we're God's people, you need to know this, we were designed to be infinite beings. Infinite beings, we live on forever. That's what we were designed to do. And, and the Jews were praying for, for a finite solution to a finite problem, and God's promise was much deeper than that. It was an infinite solution to an infinite problem that was going to exist. And the band can come on up, and, and we're gonna keep learning a little bit before we close, but I wanted to talk through what this, what this looked like now we, we find out this, this good news that ended up happening, it was not to, to just set some immediate relief through. What, what was it that Jesus wanted to do? Well, he wanted to set us free for eternity. He wanted us close to him for eternity. So instead of defeating the enemy that the Jews had at the time, he defeated death itself, the ultimate enemy that was born when, when humans sinned the ultimate enemy, and he defeated that. So I wanted to talk through, like, what does that mean for us? You know, this is, this is great. I think we, we've learned this in a sense, but I thought it would be helpful for us to learn, okay, they had their scripture. They were studying it nonstop, nonstop, reading it day in and day out, and they still were able to have the wrong viewpoint of what the good news was. And I'm always nervous, I'm always nervous that we could do the same thing to the New Testament. You look at people studying Revelation like this is a ticking time bomb. I have to learn what it means. L let me tell you this, I, I don't care how scholarly you are, I don't care what kind of biblical knowledge you have, if every single Jewish person read that scripture and was wrong about the first time Jesus came, we're probably not gonna get it right the second time either. So to set everything we have through this lens of what we want Jesus to do, what we wanna see Jesus do, that's not really the point. The point is what Jesus did the first time was set us free and, and turned us back into infinite 
beings, infinite beings. So closing points I wanted to talk through, I wanted to talk to you guys to stop pursuing empty promises. When we talk about what is good news, I think we get a little confused as Christians and think a good life equals good news. A good church community equals good news. I wanted to go through these. Maybe these might seem offensive. Maybe these might seem shocking for me to say, but I wanted to look through what isn't good news. What isn't the good news? You got over an addiction? That's fantastic. That is fantastic. But that's not the good news. Your business is flourishing? That's fantastic. But that's not the good news. Your mental wellness is the best it's ever been. Your boundaries with your family are the, are the best they've ever been that you've put in place. That's fantastic. That's not the good news news. It's not the good news. Those are all temporary solutions to temporary problems. The good news is we have been turned back into eternal beings close to God forever. The promises that Jesus has for you is eternal life free from sin, free from addiction, free from mental unwellness, free from condemnation. That's the promise that, that he gives. And everything that we seek that's lower than that, those may be fantastic things, but it is not the good news. And I just wanted to challenge us as a location, challenge us as a church to start thinking in an eternal mindset, an eternal mindset, an infinite mindset, because that is what we end up being with in the end. Anything we carry in this life, doesn't matter how great our business was, doesn't matter how we've mended every relationship that we've gone through. Yes, that's all important things to go through, but what matters is that we're set up for an eternal life with Jesus. So the second point is know the promise. Know the promise that Jesus has for you. You know, it talks through even going through these temporary pains in Revelation. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So you know the promise that he has for you. That's gonna work through every other good news that, that you've been trying to work through on your own. The last thing I wanted us to talk through, which I think is really important, we as Christians, we need to promise what we actually intend to deliver. We need to deliver what we, what we want to promise. We have a, a, a history, as far as Christianity goes, of being people who talk about the freedom of Jesus, but deliver the condemnation of the enemy. We have, we have a history of this. What Jesus is commanding us to do, right after he was raised from the dead, go and tell people of the good news. Don't just tell them about it, show them the good news. I want to tell you right now, if you uh, are new to church, 
Or maybe you have been a part of church and you've seen this play out. You go to church leadership and you tell them of an issue that you have and they asked you to leave instead of helping you. You told someone something about your, your family that you needed help with, the next day the entire church knew about it. Different things that have happened within our church, what I wanted to do first on behalf of, of the Christian church apologize to you and say what we want you to know is the freedom of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And we, and we wanna deliver that promise to you. We wanna deliver that promise to you. So let's stand for a minute, let's pray together, and let's remember the good news that Jesus has given us. We're forgiven, we're set free, we're loved, we're, we are pursued by God so we can have an eternal life with him. Come on, let's pray together. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your good news. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for uh, bringing us closer to you. We love you so much. And we are, are excited to spend eternity worshiping you, working with you, being with each other, God. God, I pray right now that your, that your Holy Spirit would fill this place. Anyone who's never accepted you into their life, we just pray right now that your presence be, be, uh, be here and you guide them through and let them know, hey, I can be your savior too. And God, we pray just every heart in this room would turn to you, confess you, Lord over their lives. God, help us to never, never talk about uh, the good news, but then, uh, but then show another pursuit of something that may be fantastic, but isn't the good news, God. Just pray that you convict us and, and work in our hearts to glorify you in everything we do, that we would never glorify our own efforts, that we would never glorify the things that we can accomplish, but we would always glorify you in the things that you have accomplished in us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, why don't we sing for a minute and then Hannah will dismiss us.